such a wonderful blessing to be here this morning and uh, so thankful that each and every one of you are here uh, and even more thankful that the Lord's here. And echo what Brother James said and appreciating the sweet hospitality of uh, Brother Tim and Sister Tracy's home and of all their beloved family. And I'm so thankful uh, for the love that we felt. So thankful to feel the stand with these two brethren that that I love and respect so dearly. Do ask an interest in your prayers. So thankful for what's already been preached to us this morning. Got your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the 23rd chapter of the book of Luke. We come to the scene of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been falsely accused, and we've seen the great wickedness that man can put out. He's been whipped. He's been beaten. The Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, has been mocked, and he's been ridiculed. They put a stick in his hand as a scepter. And would beat him in the head with it. And say prophesy unto us who smote thee. They crushed a crown of thorns on the king above all kings. And the Lord above all lords. The religious leaders of the Jews mocked him. And said he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he be the Christ let him come down from the cross. And we'll believe him. And they mocked the son of God. Pilate proclaimed numerous times, I find find no fault in this man. This man has done nothing wrong. He found no fault in him. He proclaimed that repeatedly. He knew there was a custom that he could release one of man to them. They'll say, surely they'll want me to release Jesus and keep the murderer, the seditionist Barabbas. But the choice of natural man was not to release Jesus. And I'll tell you, the choice of natural man will never be to choose the Lord Jesus Christ. But the choice of natural man was give us Barabbas. And Pilate said, what what shall I do with Jesus? I find no fault in him. And they said, crucify him. Crucify him. We come to this scene, Luke chapter 23 and verse 39, it said, And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? We see one thief not only fearing the Lord, but rebuking someone who was not and rebuking someone who was mocking the Son of God. That's very interesting that both of these thieves at first were mocking the Son of God. 
In the book of Matthew, it says the thieves, plural, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. That means the same mockery that the religious leaders of the Jews were hurling out upon Jesus, the Son of God. These thieves were also doing it. You would have thought they would have showed a little more compassion. You would have thought that they being nailed to a cross themselves would have had a a little bit of pity upon this man who had suffered so much. But they had none, neither one of them at first. The book of Mark, it says they that were crucified with him, plural, they that were crucified with him, reviled him. They were both reviling him. But one thief, in a moment, grace came down. And the Holy Spirit of God, in a moment, changed his heart, in a moment. And all of a sudden, this man that had not been fearing God, This man that had been mocking God all of a sudden becomes to fear God. Romans chapter 3 describes man in the natural state. Says there's none righteous, no not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And listen, there's no fear of God before their eyes. That thief had just been in that condition. But by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit of God reaches down and changes his heart. The word rendered thieves as it's rendered there in Matthew. Is four times in the King James Bible that same Greek word is rendered as robber or robbers. This was a violent man. If nobody was here this morning and I was to take this beautiful vase and take it home to me and plan to never bring it back, it'd be the crime of theft. These were more than people that committed theft. These were robbers. Now, if you were carrying this vase out to your car and I went by violence, ripped it out of your hands and pushed you to the ground and took the vase, that'd be robbery. That's what these men did. They took things by force and with great violence and with great wickedness, they victimized other people. That's the kind of man this thief was. What a miracle of grace. He's hanging here. He begins to not only fear the Lord, he rebukes somebody that would mock his God. Now would to God, we as the people of God, will take up for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the United States of America in 2020. He said, does not thou fear God Seeing we are in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. This man is hanging on that cross. He said, I deserve to die for what I've done. He sees the condemnation and the blackness and the darkness of his own heart. He had never seen it before, but he sees it now. 
Said we deserve to die. I've been a, with federal probation for, as an officer for over 26 years. And I've seen a few folks that have told me that they deserve to go to prison for what they've done. And the federal government doesn't deal with the death penalty a whole lot, but I've felt, dealt with a few death penalty cases. And I've never once seen one charged that say, I deserve to die for what I've done. But here's a man that feels so condemned by his sins and sees the blackness of his heart against the backdrop of the white, pure Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we deserve what we're getting. I love the experience of Elder Wilson Thompson that he relates in his book. When the Lord convicted and his heart felt so condemned, he describes going to a baptism. He had been looking down on those folks that were being baptized a little earlier. He had said, they're just sinners. They got up in front of the church and said what vile sinners they were. And the church took them in. I can't believe it. He was looking down on them. But I'll tell you, when he was born again by the Holy Spirit of God, when he saw the grace of God in a real and a precious way, and his heart felt condemned, and he felt the condemnation of his own sin, he went from feeling like he was the highest there to feeling like he was the lowest there. He said, I felt such condemnation. I couldn't be with those great people of God that were being baptized. He said, I ran off into the woods to try to get some reprieve. But it seemed like even there, even the chirping of the birds cried out in condemnation against me. Set not the heart cry of every little born again child of God that's been made to feel the condemnation and the blackness and the darkness of our own sin. He said, but this man has done nothing amiss. He begins to see himself as a great, condemned, ruined sinner. But he begins to see Jesus as perfect and holy and sinless. Something he had not seen before. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Lord, remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom, look at what the Lord blessed this thief to see. He saw Jesus as Lord. He saw Jesus as King. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to him. What changed this man on the cross of Calvary? Is there any evidence some preacher preached the gospel to him? No evidence of that at all. Even the evidence that he walked down a church aisle and, and, and presented himself before the church. No, his hands were nailed to the cross and his feet were nailed there. Did he go somewhere and get baptized? No, he was unable. All the things that, that a works-based system of religion would say that this man had to do in order for somebody to be born again. This man did none of that. But I'll tell you, God Almighty in His love and in His grace and in His mercy reached down and changed the heart of this thief in a moment and he'd never be the same again. So it is with us. Happened the same way. 
Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth. I can hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is most folks. <laughs> so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. He saw Jesus as Lord. He saw Jesus as King. Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. Peter had said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood had not revealed this unto thee. No preacher told you this, Peter. But my Father, which is in heaven, the Lord revealed precious things when he blinded again the heart of this thief. What a blessing it is. He saw Jesus as Lord. He saw Jesus as King. You know, he saw something there that even the disciples at that time weren't seeing. All the disciples had forsaken the Lord and fled away. Even after Jesus had risen from the dead, we see those two on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus meets them, but they don't know it's Jesus. Jesus said, why are you walking along and are so sad? And they said, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Do you not know the things that have happened? Jesus said, what things? He said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet. Which was a prophet. They said, we suppose that he should have been the one which should have redeemed Israel. They saw him as a has-been prophet. They saw him as a has-been redeemer. They saw the, what Jesus did on the cross. In their minds at that moment was not a great victory. But in their minds at that moment, it was the ultimate defeat. But the thief this day, right then, saw the victory of the cross. Amen. He saw it. He said, Lord, I see you as Lord. I see you as king with the kingdom. Lord, remember me. Just remember me. Is that not the heart cry of every little child of God to hear this morning? Lord, just remember me. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know what Brother James was preaching so ably and, and so wonderfully? You see, the, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ toward this thief didn't start there on the cross. It started before he ever made the first mountain. Before he ever said, let there be light and light streamed across the universe. God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ loved that thief. <laughs> Though he had lived a life of violence and wickedness, the Lord still loved him. The Lord's love never failed. Jeremiah would write, yea, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He loved him. And his love never failed. I love what Jesus said to his disciples. Or what it says of Jesus right before he washed his disciples feet in John chapter 13. He said, having loved his own. Which were in the world. He loved them. Until the end. His love never fails. It never gives up. And even on this thief's last few breaths, the Savior from his own lips 
gives him some sweet and some wondrous news. You know, it said a couple of times that the thieves which were crucified with him. I'm going to tell you, this thief was crucified with him in a special way because he was in him. He was in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that old spiritual says, were you there when they crucified my Lord? I'm going to tell you as the elect family of God, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. There's a sense we's all there in him as he died on the cross of Calvary for us. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He gives him some good news. He says today. Not a thousand years from now, not 10,000 years, but today shalt thou be with me in paradise. What a blessing. Amen. You know, that helps me to know when my daddy breathed his last breath, he was immediately with the Lord in heaven and the morning of glory. It can help us know that about our loved ones. That were born again children of God. Lowest of the Lord Jesus Christ. That as soon as they breathed their last breath. They were immediately in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. What a blessing that is. What a comfort that is. I was recently we had one of our, our IT managers. Uh, mother had died. And I went down to the funeral visitation. And his sisters were talking to me. And she said. One of them asked me, she said, I know where mama's going to be when Jesus comes back again. But where's mama now? She didn't know. She didn't know. And I said, as a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ, that sure evidence that your mama was a born again child of God. And I said, immediately when she breathed her last breath, her soul and spirit was immediately with the Lord in heaven and on the glory. She said, thank you so much. I didn't know that. What a blessing to know the truth. He said, today, verily, I say unto thee today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. He said, you're going to be with me today. The victory, what I'm doing on the cross of Calvary today is a victory. And I purchased you as one of my elect. I purchased you, my bride, and you're going to be with me in glory because I'm shedding my blood for you right now. What a blessing that is. In paradise. Heaven's far greater than we could ever imagine. When the Apostle Paul was caught up there and said, He earned unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul knew numerous languages. But in none of the languages he knew could words ever describe the bliss and the glory and the majesty of heaven and the mortal glory. He had not the words to describe it. I'm going to tell you, heaven's more grand than we could ever imagine. More lavish than our words could ever describe. I don't think any of us are going to get to heaven and say, yep, just what I expected. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. Brother James hit on the greatest reason heaven's so wonderful. 
He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. What makes heaven so grand is our Lord, our Savior, our Master, and our Redeemer. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's there. Brother James said, we'll see him face to face. Oh, I want to see him. He preached on that wonderful text. Now we see through a glass darkly. I've been to prisons where daddies had to look at their children through a glass. They weren't able to reach out and embrace their own children because of the crimes that they had done. Don't we yearn to reach out and embrace our Savior face to face? When the glass is gone, and there's our Lord, our Savior, our Master, and our Redeemer, and we can feel His arms of grace wrapped around us in a special way, far greater than we've ever been able to feel Him here. And what a blessing it is to feel Him here. What a blessing that in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven comes down, our souls to greet, and glory crowns the mercy seat. We sing blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'll tell you, I need as much of heaven here on this earth as I can get. And we get that in the precious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you, I look forward to that day. When I'm with Jesus face to face, I look forward to that day. When it'll be the day that today Jesus says, thou shalt be with me in paradise. I love it when Stephen on that day... He had preached so faithfully. And they were throwing stones at him. But he had the, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ so welled up in his heart that he followed the example of what Jesus did on the cross. As those men were reviling him and mocking him and had beaten him so mercilessly. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Stephen echoed that at his death. He looks up. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I believe Jesus was standing to welcome one of his little children into heaven. You may say, Brother Mark, he'll do that for Stephen. But will he do it for me? I'll tell you the same blood he shed for Stephen, the same blood he shed for this thief, is the same blood he shed for you. The same blood he shed for me. And I look forward to that day when I'll be able to embrace my Lord. We'll seem as Stephen was about to. Standing on the right hand of God to welcome him into heaven. What a blessing that the grace of God is able to touch someone even at the very end of their life. But I'm going to tell you we have a sweet opportunity that this thief didn't have. He didn't have the rest of his life to serve the Lord faithfully and to honor the one who had done so much for him. He didn't have the rest of his life. He was fixing to die and be in glory. What a blessing. But we have an opportunity he didn't have. Our hands aren't nailed to a cross. We are able to serve him. Our feet aren't nailed to the cross. We are able to follow him and to follow in his steps. To cleave close to him. You know, I was recently thinking about the wondrous life of the Apostle John and how he was able to lean on the Lord's breast at supper. 
He was able to do that, one, because the Lord loved him and the Lord had bestowed grace upon him. But there's another reason John was able to lean on the Lord's breast at supper. He was right by him. He was sitting right next to the Lord. So all he had to do was lean back. And he was on the Lord's breath. I'll tell you, little child of God, that's where I want to be. Right next to the Lord, leaning on his breast. May we follow him closely every day of our life. Not follow afar off, but follow close to him. The psalmist would say, Lord, I'm going to follow hard after thee. That literally means stick to him like glue. And I would to God, that's what I'll do. We have a sweet opportunity that thief didn't have to spend the rest of our life serving and praising and honoring and following the commandments of our Savior and our Lord who's done so much for us. May God bless you my prayer.